Can I uh, can I chime in? Go ahead, Jenny. But, uh, if you haven't listened to the Emperor Max episode, it's cute. <laughs> it's cute. <laughs> Danny's little son comes on. He he does his best impression of what we sound like, probably. Uh, and I really appreciate his. The kid knows a lot about Star Wars and uh, whatever that game is we're talking about. We uh, we I played that for him in the car, and he's like, "That's me." Like, yeah, buddy, that's what you sound like. He's like, "I don't like it." Yeah, yeah. No one ever does. No one ever likes their own voice. I am your host, Danny Paul, joining me in the Bob Media Studios to kick off season three, 2023. We've got ourselves just your old regular angry man, Mr. Leon Coventry. <laughs> what are you doing, Leon? I am ready to say he's fucking out for 2022. <laughs> and I am ready. You, Joy? It, it, I mean, we have, it has to be better. I don't know. I keep saying that every year and a new shit show shows up, but, uh, this is going to be it. This is going to be the year where we all get to take a breath. Uh, you know, we we dust ourselves off from what's happened in the last two or three years, and let's uh, let's move forward. Well, I'm glad we're not alone because also joining us in the Bob Media Studios is Mr. Jones. Oh yes! How you doing, Duder? Hey, gentlemen, gentlemen. Good to see you. Happy New Year. Uh, I echo the same. Sentiment is Mr. Uh, Leon over there, where God last year sucked. This year has to be something better. Um, it's going to be a tough road the way I see it, but um, looking forward to it. Glad we're kicking it off. We've got the Bobs out there listening. This is good stuff. Bobs Damn is right. going to be the best season yet. I'm telling you we that. Got it. We got some new formats, some new tricks, some new trade. We do. We, got we the, do. We got we've the kinks got, worked um, out. Well, we've got some new segments for season three. So I'm thinking about putting together a little trailer piece, maybe like one or two minutes to talk about the new segment. So we've got to talk about Brown, which is normal. We're going to stick with the crank file. Uh, we're going to stick with a uh, parenting segment, but we're also going to introduce some new topics here. We got, uh, we're going to stick with the big story. We're going to expand beyond the borders of the Sunshine State. And because Florida is going to morph into Hero of the Week, uh, I'm interested in getting into some space and technology and uh, I think some positivity in light of our Ted Lasso discussions from season two. We're going to do a little uh, segment that ends in positivity. So that's going to take the place of the bottle of brown segment or the uh, bottom of the bottle segment. But without further ado... Gentlemen, what's your brown tonight? Night, given that it's the new year and I want to kick it off the right way. New year. I'm going oh. with... E.H. Taylor, small batch. Ooh, very nice. nice. I only well, break it out for special occasions, so this is my version of champagne. Ooh, indeed. Cristal. Mr. <laughs> Jones? The dark Cristal. I uh, recently went down south to the uh, Orange Curtain, and mm -hmm. I visited, kind of I found it as like a good trail because it's, you know, you have your local watering holes up here, and you pick out, you pick through them, and you find some winners, find some duds. But right now, it's a very interesting time with the amount of, liquor that's out there so i actually picked out a uh barrel select from total wines uh it is a rebel distillers collection 
It is done by Lux Road Distillers in Bardstown, Kentucky. 113 nice. proof. Uh, we're looking at about a six year here. And it's divine. It's uh, very much a wheat. It's, it's wheat, definitely. So it's got that sweeter hit. Doesn't need that big cube of ice or if you decide to, it's really good. So that's my brown. Um, very, very happy. Find those barrel selects out there. They are a good treasure. I too to am jamming a wheat tonight. I'm doing the Redemption Wheated bourbon mm. oh i like that I like that it's got one. a 96 proof on it it's very very nice mm-hmm. though i gotta say it's not weller but you know what it's a good substitute you know what it is <laughs> it's like uh remember that movie dave with kevin klein mm-hmm. where he pretends yeah. to be the president this is a dave gorney nice very nice dave dave so i'm rocking well, the redemption wheated bourbon tonight so just save the weller for the special occasions but we can rock the non-special and still be special. Know what I mean? Yeah. Before we kick it off and because this is a special uh, new year's episode, I'd love to know what you guys did on the new year coming in. Well, I think two of you together. What Mr. Jones did. I know what Mr. Jones did. (laughs) (laughs) Well, what did you do, Danny? I brought a bottle of the Colonel small batch over to uh, the in-laws and we stayed up until 10 o'clock to watch the ball drop because we are Mm -hmm. two hours behind New York city. Uh, And Mm -hmm. All the kids were there. Everybody was eating a lot of food. Everybody's having a good time watching TV, we're watching a little sport ball and um, lots of finger foods and appetizers and good times. And then we watched New York drop. And then I think a couple of people actually stayed up to watch uh, mountain time zone drop. But by our midnight, everybody was pretty much on their way to sleep. How about you guys? Well, I, I went over th- to Leon's. Yeah, I threw, we th- we're, we've made this a little bit of a annual thing now because we all have the small children. So we like to throw a new year's party, but count it down from the East coast. So it's nine o'clock here. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, you know, we high five each other and say, get the fuck out. And, uh, now we, we can all rest and <laughs> pick up the pieces. It's fun. Like we clean our house all day for two days and then we let the house, the kids destroy it for four hours. And Mr. Jones can attest to that. The house is completely destroyed by the time they left. I, I did my best to keep it somewhat um, on the cardboard for the coloring area. It was really great for the kids. Like, <laughs> yeah. they, my son, who is only was the youngest kid there, um, definitely liked the drawing and all the craziness. And um, it was a really good time. I think all the kids had a great All the adults did. And it was nice because there was that football game that was on at the same time, which well, I, happened well, if you that just, was nice. Yeah, and you had that as the really stickly year countdown to New Year's if you were watching because they it was literally the worst up. countdown to a new year I've ever had in my whole life. <laughs> if you would have made it, like it would have been the best one, celebration. Exactly. If you would have made it. I was one foot in, one foot out, watching the ball drop, watching the kick miss. I was like, this is the worst. But uh it, you know, watching Jones walk around my house like like an Easter egg hunt, finding little bottles of bourbon everywhere he went was Aww. really enjoyable. Yeah, it, it was thing. it was a treat. It was a mm-hmm. treat. I really enjoyed myself. Thank delicious. you so much for opening up your house. Can't wait for the next time. <laughs> every year, every I year. Love it. You know, and Danny, I think I owe you one. So you can come on out here, and uh, you know, if you want to, you know, really tie it on. Don't worry, I'll hold your back, hair back, and uh, you, you can you can really mess yourself up. You know what? I'm excited. It's a wonderful, <laughs> wonderful way to invite. Bring the boys. We watched the, uh, we watched the CNN ball drop. What'd you guys watch? You know, I don't even remember. It might've yeah, been the no Seacrest one. 
I think it was the Seacrest one. The Seacrest one but, was probably better because it was Andy Cohen and Anderson Cooper. And I got nothing against two gay dudes because they were actually pretty funny most of the time. This was an off year for them. So I don't know if they got yelled at because neither of them were drinking. And I know last, last year they were completely bombed out of their mind and they were last two really years. funny. Yeah. Uh, yeah this, I heard year, that last, this year I think year they, they got barked at. But the challenge was they brought people up to talk who were under no such guidance. <laughs> they brought Brian Cox up and Brian Cox is just, wow, does it sound like that when I say it? And it wasn't, you know, I was hoping for giggly and they're like, no, it's awful what's going on in Iran. It's like, guys, New Year's, confetti, get drunk, have a good time. So oh, was, kind of meh. Was there a Mariah implosion this year? Because if there was, I'm sad I missed it. I don't really know who the musical guest was. I wasn't paying that close of attention, but it was mm. kind of, the interviews were awkward. It was like, really? Move on. We're done talking to this person. Give them the hook. Who's the producer? They're fired. I love it. And that's why I was watching football. I'm sure Sears <laughs> yeah. puts on a good show. Yeah, we were watching football right up until the end. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Go Bucks. Mm. Well, now that we talked about Brown, let's talk about Brown. How you doing? Whiskey and whiskey. This is the darkest Brown you got. Yeah. Say, Holmes, uh, where they hiding the scotch? Um, brown. That's code for bourbon. Great stuff, this bourbon. Comes from a land called Kentucky. Talk about brown. There's a special rung in hell reserved for people who waste good scotch. Scotch? Oh, yes, I, I think so. Could I have one more of these with some booze in it, please? Today's talk about brown comes to us from the tasting table. And we'll file this under duh. The headline is, why is Blanton's bourbon so difficult to find? Uh. Now, I know you, you guys are... are Blanton's purveyors, you both have some empty horse bottles in your liquor cabinet as well. I do not have any Blanton's on site. All I have is the stuff that Leon brought on his one singular visit. But I do know it is wonderful, and I remember it being wonderful. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And like many whiskeys, it's not that it's so much expensive, it's that you can't get it. Mm -hmm. That's it begins. Whiskey is sweet, soothing, and oh-so-sippable. It often comes in a classy hand-labeled bottle, and there's even a chance you'll profit off an opened bottle if you buy it now and sell it later, and whiskey bourbon collectors get wide-eyed at the mention of Blanton's single barrel. The only trouble is, it's more than a little bit tricky to find. Of course, chasing this golden unicorn only adds to the drink's mystique. When it comes to taste, Blanton's single barrel is up there. In other words, it would be sacrilegious to pour Coke into it. No, this is a bourbon for drinking straight or on the rocks, ideally on a porch at sunset. It's crafted to go down easy with the creamy notes of honey, vanilla, and oak, plus crisp red apple. Is there crisp red apple in it? No. No. Okay. Vanilla. That survey says. When Kentucky's Buffalo Trace Distillery launched it in 1984, no one else was offering single barrel bourbons, which simply means that every bottle comes from its own cask rather than blended in larger batches. Blanton's, according to the website, uses flavor-enhancing charred oak barrels where the whiskey is left to age for at least eight years, the Ocho. Plus, every mm -hmm. single whiskey sold is selected, bottled, and even labeled by hand. And to add to the hunt, mm -hmm. there is a total of eight of those collectible jockey and horse bottle stoppers to find, but surely Blanton's wants to sell as much of their product as possible, right? So why is this bourbon so infuriatingly hard to get a hold of? I have that bottle. Where we go That's on? a nice bottle. <laughs> Why is it so hard? Um, it became the bourbon that bourbon people don't even really like. I think that there's different classes of bourbon people. And I will I will say that I was one of those ones coming in early where that's the, I think I've told the story many times. The very first bourbon that I had was plants, not realizing 
how special it was, but I drank it and Triple B drank it. We said, you know what, this is, maybe we got to give this bourbon thing a shot because this is pretty good. And we enjoyed it and we finished it very quickly. And then we said, okay, let's go get another one. And it was nowhere to be found. And we went, what the hell did we just do? You know? And then um, I think when you're in that early stage of hunting down bourbon, I mean, this is the unicorn that actually can be found occasionally because they do release enough of it that people have it. This isn't like Pappy. You know, Pappy's really hard to find. Right, but you're not going to find this at a big box store, right? No, you, you could. Are. You could. I pick it yeah, up at Safeway. I mean, yeah, they have distribution. Uh, Safeway, the glass case Safeway? Or off the shelf. Oh, it's behind the, it, uh, it's behind the, it's behind the glass case. Even if it's behind mm. the, black case, black, the glass case, matter. it's still like there. They, they got a bottle of roses behind there or Knob Creek. I mean, it's yeah, which is odd to me. And anyway. usually, you know, if they were selling it at, I don't know what the term is, but MSRP, like what they intend to sell it at, it's somewhere between 16, 80 bucks. Right. Mm. It's, it's definitely a bottle, better bottle than that. And um, that's what happens. So, and, and what happens is people, you know, it's like, it's like buying a stock, you know, is going to go up. Obviously you're going to buy that. So anyone who knows what they're doing, they're going to buy the bottle at 60 or $80 because they know they can sell it for 200 in a heartbeat. Um, either very rarely is it ever on hand. If it's on hand, it's in some corner of nowhere uh, that people don't know whiskey. And it's one of those little hole in the wall liquor stores. And then it's at the top shelf and you're like, yep, that's the one I want. I found more Blanton's that way than anywhere else because you know, people who don't go hunting for, for mm -hmm. bourbon don't know to look for it. The other way is that you make friends with <laughs> these stores and say, purveyor. yeah, but what they a lot of times do, and I think you, Jones, even told me the story. They're at the point now where it's so rare that they like to package it in groups. They're like, oh, you want Blanton's? Well, here's, Bundles. you can have this one bottle of Blanton's and these two bottles of shit I need to get rid of for a total price of $300 and fine. You know, a lot of times you're like, I don't care. I get extra bourbon, but I really wanted the Blanton's anyway. Great. Um, the best score I ever had, I think I've told you this story already was on a cruise ship and that was all triple B. She spotted it in a heartbeat and said, oh, they have Blanton's. And I looked at him and I said, how many do you have? He said, six, I'll take all six right now. He didn't blink. I didn't blink. We bought it before we even pulled off the, the damn dock. <laughs> I was like, yep. Put me, put me down. I'll take them all. So, oh uh, yeah, I'd do the same thing if I saw six. I'll yeah, take them all. Yeah. You take them all. And all I think there was even an opportunity that I didn't have the money for. I think it was like three grand where we could have bought a barrel of Blanton's. And then oh. I think it ended up being, I want to say 65 to 70 bottles. Of, I mean, you don't yeah. actually get the barrel. I mean, they put it single barrel into the 80 bottles and then they give you the 80 bottles but it's your barrel um but you know you could have resold that you could have resold that no problem um i don't know that i would though if i got 80 bottles i'm not keep them all because it's that good that would be my bourbon supply for the rest well, of my could life. you could you take the barrel and could you sell enough bottles to break even oh yeah Oh yeah, absolutely. You figure, absolutely. Like what the, the restaurant rule is the, the cost of a glass of wine is the cost they pay for the bottle. Oh, I didn't hear that. That's I like an unwritten it. restaurant rule. Mm -hmm. So because I, I know because yeah. I've I've found bottles at Costco and then you go to a restaurant and you go, Oh, I love that wine. Oh, the whole bottle is that much at Costco. And so I think that's kind of the whatever the wholesale price is for the bottle itself is usually what they charge by the glass. And then the rest of the bottle is markup. So they're allowed mm. to kind of give away glasses for special guests or I'm sorry, can I get you a glass of wine to apologize for, you know, whatever. Mm -hmm. 
Uh, but that's the general rule. So the idea is if you got math, you know, whatever, get you, take your barrel and then fill up however many bottles at, at your standard price to pay off what the barrel was, and then you keep the rest. Mm-hmm. No fuss, no muss. Yeah, I, but I think your initial question is, why is this one so hard find? And I, we haven't gone through this article. But well, the article continues. First of all, it's delicious. It is good. I don't know anyone that has ever drinking whiskey that drinks it and doesn't say it's good. Now, Triple B has moved on, and she likes high proof now. It's not like she'd ever turn down a glass of blends, but unless it's the high proof blends, which we did find that one, and it is absolute fire, um, and it's delicious. But if if you have the uh, ability to get it, and it's delicious, but the marketing, you mentioned it, I had to get all the horses. I had to. I don't, I mean... We, we even went into one uh, like really nice uh, bar and a really nice steakhouse. And all we did was just go in there for cocktails and, and some appetizers. And we finished off the bottle of Blanton's and I said, I'll, I'll finish it off, but only if you give me the topper. And even the bartender's like, damn it, I wanted that topper, but yes, you can have it. So we've done it. We have spelled out Blanton's and I yeah, find so it. it as, is it fair if a bartender has the collection? Well, I mean, I just. Hey, kudos. That job sucks sometimes, you know? <laughs> so if that means that they get to spell out Blanton's because they deal with a couple drunk assholes, I think they deserve it. Mm. But marketing's brilliant. It's delicious. And they sell it for far less than it's worth. And, you know, that's why you can't find it. And I think my only two cents is it, um, it's in a really good movie. And I think that helped to kind of like bounce it. It's in John Wick. Oh, it's mm-hmm. what John Wick drinks. That's right. You know what? I didn't even realize that, but yeah, she I believe him. John, she serves him buttons yeah. at the bar when he first shows and up. And that yeah. just increases notoriety because if you have something that's so f- hard to find, then how are people going to be led to mm-hmm. it? And if you could have some kind of marketing piece that can do it. And I think with the success of the John Wick uh, series, I don't even know if it's a series. I think they make a John oh, Wick four, right right four now. I'm yeah. so excited. So, I mean, it's, it's that trilogy and it keeps going We're further. But, talk about it. So, mm-hmm. In any event, I think into the marketing world, product placement in areas that, you know, can in basically educate the public on something is another reason why it's super hard to find. If they were selling Ferraris for 20 grand, it'd be pretty hard to get Ferraris for 20 grand. Ferrari. Yep. I'm with you. I'm with you. <laughs> the things, you know, bad out of hell. looking forward to John McFour. Hello, Jonathan. Oh, he's the best part of it. The article continues. Rumors of Blanton's single barrel showing up in a store can create feverish lines outside overnight. This element of scarcity, Mm -hmm. the thrill of the chase, for many adds to the product's appeal. According to Find Me a Brewery, the bourbon is tricky to get hold of for various reasons. For one thing, Blanton's single barrel takes a lot of time and care to produce. Add to that the distribution issues caused by the pandemic and U.S. liquor laws preventing a direct-to-consumer sales model. And you've got more demand for this bourbon than supply. Uprox suggests various strategies for getting your hands on a bottle. One is to keep your eye on online alcohol stores like Drizzly, even setting up alerts for when it goes on sale on their site. You've also got the option of hunting down bottles from internet resellers marked up at a premium, mind you. You can also visit the distillery in Kentucky, but check the website in advance to make sure it's in the store. If you're really committed, you could find an airport selling it duty-free, reserve a bottle in advance, and hop on a flight. Mm-hmm. Failing those tricks, Uprock suggests an old-fashioned neighborly approach. Find a liquor store near you that stocks it, make friends with the manager, then ask for a bottle to be set aside when it comes in. You never know. You might get lucky. There you go. Mm-hmm. I didn't even I read that article, and I have half duty-free angle. That's pretty sexy. So 
What's interesting is I was going through Vegas and I, that's funny because I would always go through the duty free when I was traveling for work and take a look at them and Vegas had it. Vegas was selling it in their shop, their liquor store for 350 bucks a bottle. Mm. And I very kindly, I went up to the person and I said, it's not duty free. How do you fucking sleep at night? You piece of shit. <laughs> <laughs> How do you get said, my hopes up? And then you, what country do you think this is? There's markup and then there's just robbery, asshole. Highway robbery. Oh. That wraps up talking about Brown. Let's get to our big story. News team, assemble! Let's get down, let's get down to business. And I got news for you. This one comes to us from Axios. This one pulled all of the Google trends from the year 2022. So starting in December 26th, all the way to December 11th. So we're looking at uh, what, like a whole year minus two weeks. These are all of the Google searches. And as you can see, there are various things that pop up from time to time. Like obviously Joe Biden is going to get search spikes all throughout the year, but he had a pretty good one. Where did, uh, where did boobs fall this year? Uh, boobs sadly did not make the list. So thank you for playing. <laughs> no, no. I saw Kanye. Uh, isn't isn't Kanye West on there? He's a boob. So when you get to <laughs> think, oh, Kim Kardashian, Jen coming Kim back. Kardashian. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's a good comeback story. <laughs> oh my God, one of the best clips ever. Uh, Elmo was a big sure deal in January. Back. Then we had ISIS, <laughs> Winter Olympic Games, NASA, Russia, Ukraine, NATO. Obviously, the Freedom Convoy. Remember the truckers from Canada? Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, Grandpa Joe Biden was all throughout the year. State of the Union, gas prices was only one tiny little spike in March. Hmm. Um, Theranos had a couple of spikes during the year. It was Elizabeth Holmes trial. Pete Davidson, based on who he was going after. Uh, Will Smith had a big (laughs) spike in springtime. What was was it? Yeah. Slap, you know, slap, slap's wonderful. I love slap. And then it flatlined. Yeah, what happened to his fucking career? He's done, huh? No, I, I don't believe the Elon but... Musk. I don't buy it. Yeah, I mean, Elon it's... only had a tiny little pop when he I don't buy it. pledged to buy Twitter. And then he got a little bit of a resurgence towards the end when he actually did it. I'm sorry. I think he, uh, um, he a more. mass shooting. It yeah. doesn't seem that. Amber Heard got a lot. Ooh, that oh, trial was a big huh? deal. You poop on a bed. That's what you happens. Poop on a bed. You do the shizen in the bed. Uh, January 6th got a good pop in the beginning and a whole bunch of summer traffic. Mm-hmm. That's right. Supreme are... Court was pretty steady for six months of the year. Abortion came along with the Supreme Court. Uh, Shinzo Abe, when he got killed, Japanese prime minister, he mm. had a little pop okay. in the summertime there. Uh, same-sex marriage got a pop right after the Supreme Court. Joe Manchin was the man of the hour up until the end of the summertime, and then he just kind of fell off. Interesting. Pox had a tiny moment. Taiwan had a tiny moment. Nancy had some summer action when she went to Taiwan and then right at the end there when she announced her retirement around the midterms. When Alex when did Jones, she wear a bikini? It should have been around there too. Nancy? <laughs> I don't I don't want that fucking visual. Get out of here. You're off my show. <laughs> bad memory. Bad memory. Badly oh, on. That, Badly that on. my dreams. Do that not talk dreams. about that around creative people with imaginations. I'm sending you that picture. No. F no fuck no. That's unfriend. Yep. Hashtag no. <laughs> Not cool, man. Got a little oh, uh, Alex awful. Jones action when he got sued for being a dope. 
Uh, Mar-a-Lago got some action when I got raided. What do we got? This is a big mm-hmm. one. Oh, the Donald. He was consistent all year long. What a champ. The only thing that beat Donald was inflation. Dude, that is ridiculous. Hey, Donald just, you know, the only one, the only people that talk about Donald more than Republicans are Democrats. No, That's all everybody, I can say. everybody talks it's about just it. Constant. Same thing. It's just inflation was pretty steady. So this is interesting. Gas prices got a pop, but inflation was steady. Because it sucks. A couple of months of heat wave action, a little bit of Queen Elizabeth right around the time she died. There was some intermittent action on earthquakes. Immigration is fat across the board. Ooh. Big deal. Especially immigration here in Arizona. the biggest one. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah I definitely would say that takes it. The biggest thing is yeah. immigration. Immigration is a, a tsunami. That was heavy all year long, especially down mm. here. Yeah. Uh, no shit. Hurricane Ian. Pardon? Oh, you guys have any idea what pardon is? I mean, I guess was someone going to get pardoned? Wow. Uh, UK prime minister, because they had three of them this what year. What a disaster. Well UK. <laughs> There's Kanye. Kanye got a little hey. bump in February and uh, towards the end of the year. See, he Ronnie, come Ronnie DeSanti down in Florida. He got a nice pop during midterms, along with 20 election. Powerball must have been big. I don't remember the Powerball being particularly oh, exciting. that reminds me. Must have been huge. Uh, up to 93. 90- 9.30 or something right now. It's huge, yeah. We got... Uh, Swifty. Yep, we got T-Swift and her battle with Ticketmaster. SBF, why are we talking about him? Iran got a little oh, bit man. of love at the end of the year. FIFA, of course. That same bank was freed, by the way, for those I who don't understand FIFA. SBF. SBF from uh, FTX, the yeah. crypto exchange. Yeah, well, look D- him up. You... We're not talking about him. <laughs> S-C-H-E. FIFA, Brittany Griner, and my senator, Kirsten Cinema. She's got the sexy librarian glasses, but she's a turd. Nice. All right, here we go. Ready, boys? By the numbers. By the numbers. These are the five news events that generated the biggest spike in Google searches. FIFA World Cup, which concluded last week with Argentina's victory, led by Lionel Messi. It actually warms my warms my heart that that's the number one search of the year. Is Lionel the goat? Are you serious? What you do think we it's say? Good? I, I think it's true. Makes sense no, because people suck and they search out things that suck. But this is a positive thing. Is, I think. Well, it's yeah, positive. It's it's huge. Yeah. It was a big. It was a good tournament for all its controversy. A good tournament. Happy. Did you watch? Did you watch the FIFA? Uh, did I send you guys uh, documentary? the documentary? Uh, video clip. I don't no. know what that is. It's but a clip from a FIFA. movie. It's a, it's a bunch of guys in a locker room, and one of them sitting up and, and standing up, and everybody else is sitting down. And he's got Mbappe across him, overlaid. And he's like, All I got to say is, you guys are trash. All right. I brought the game. I brought the shit. All y'all, y'all trash. You, you, you trash. <laughs> Uh, if you if you have hat trick, if you haven't seen either one of you haven't seen the FIFA documentary, watch it. It's awesome. Oh. I didn't. I I'm sure Mr. Jones know all that because he's it, a big soccer fan. Is this but, the one on Prime? Uh, it could be on Prime. It's it's probably, there's a lot corrupt. of FIFA. There's a lot of FIFA documentaries. Yeah, it's like a four or five p. It's a four or five episode documentary about you know, the fall of FIFA and, you know, how it grew oh, yeah. and then how it fell. And I didn't know much about it other than I know that they're corrupt. I mean, it's obvious. Oh, man. It was it's, a lot. It was circled around the Qatar. FIFA draft. It's, uh, it was fascinating about how blatantly obvious it was. And like, people just like, no, it's good. Well, we like soccer. Whatever. <laughs> it's like, yeah. What? Whatever. Whatever. Anyway. Round ball. Big green pitch. We're going for it. Yeah. Okay, oh, so what was number uh, two there. watch. FIFA was number one. Number two was Ukraine. Surprise, surprise. Makes which sense. continues to fight against Russia's invasion launched earlier this year. Americans turned to the Google in droves mm-hmm. to find information about Ukraine. Number three is the Powerball jackpot. Okay. 
set a new world record for a lottery prize this year at two bill. Oh yeah. That'd be amazing. Oh, I, didn't find I don't remember that. There's no winner for it, right? Oh yeah. I, I put all, I put a lot of money in on that one. I, would, I, would I get that. bought tickets to two the bill. person yeah. didn't come forward. Did someone no, no, come they're, forward? They're a California person. Uh, the whole oh, maybe thing? it's a different one. There was another like mega lotto or something yeah, like that. It was, it's like a billion dollars and no one, no one claims. There's somebody it that wins four no. or five million in Arizona on the ticket never goes claims. It takes them like no, two months to track them down. It's like they actually had ticket, it. They claimed it and they didn't have to, they didn't have to say anything about it. It was, they, they basically, yeah, they won the $2 billion that's great. one. Oh, that's, that's great. Tits. Cool. And they just disappear with their millions. Fuck yeah. Billions. <laughs> I go buy an island. See ya. Funny thing Will about owning an Smith. island, you got to name it. <laughs> Number four, Willie Smith, who snagged headlines after bitch slapping Chris Rock at the Academy Awards. How'd that do for his career? He's doing well, right? I don't think so. He's a talented I, I don't know if he's going to recover. He's gonna I have personally to won't watch anything he's in. I just Same. can't. And I was a huge fan of his. Oh, Big Willie Weekend all the time. I'm, I'm a big fan of both of them. And I thought Chris handled it really well. He's like, what the fuck? And he's oh, Chris is a badass. Like, Chris oh. is a badass. I just, just keep doing he's the show. He's a professional. Okay. I'll just keep doing okay. the show. We just made prime Chris time with something you'll never like, see again. Like assault and battery on live television, and they're just going to leave him in the crowd? Uh, number five was a tie between the death of Queen Elizabeth II and searches about Russia surged in the first week of his invasion in Ukraine. So we had a, a tie between Russia rolls tanks and Queen, Queen Lizzie dies. I think the only shocker there is that Will Smith, Chris Rock thing. I mean, I think it was a pop culture interesting yeah, weekend. Yeah, but I don't know that it falls but, in the same. Well, here's here's my breath. thought: is the that rest. a lot of people don't watch it anymore. They don't watch the Academy Awards, and all of a sudden, when they woke up or someone said something, they had to Google it to to see it to watch it. Like yeah. it was. I mean, you could say the same thing, that. and maybe we'll talk about it later. But it's about um, the Bills' safety, you know, falling mm-hmm. and collapsing on the field. Like unless you were watching the game, which I don't know how many people really were into Cincy versus I Bills, was. but. We were. I mean, I was. I was watching it, and all of a sudden, I come down. I'm like, what the hell happened? Unless you were watching, I guarantee you that would have been a high Google search. So, just just as a, a I like point. your take. I like your take, Mister Jones. Because otherwise, I think that watch it. this world is upside down. It's like um, Ukraine war, people dying, countries fighting for their life, Corruption. and slap from Will Smith, like right next to each other. That's mm-hmm. that's what the world cares about. Yeah, pretty much. That's yeah. about right. <laughs> I mean, yeah. yeah I, I stopped watching the Oscars years ago. The the second that the postman oh, was like, what? An obscure Italian indie film wins best picture of the year. It's like that's not even our they have their own award show. <laughs> they go to Cannes. Come on, an American right. movie. Why do we unless Ricky Gervais is hosting? Unless Ricky Gervais is hosting, I'm not watching. Oh, I love him. He is priceless and fearless. He's a treasure. He's your boy. He is a treasure. Uh, so to round it out, inflation, immigration, and the Supreme Court consistently held America's interest over the course of a year in which most news cycles from Will Smith's Oscar slap to monkeypox to the death of the queen burned hot and fast. I'll post that link in the show notes so you can see some of these pops. It's, it's, some of these are lulls and some of these are pretty heavy. Uh, but it's interesting. It's an interesting idea because these are clickable links here. So as you hover over it, you can actually see the data and they index at a hundred. Uh, I don't know what that means. A hundred searches or not a thousand searches, but it's uh, from Google trends and uh, it's pretty damn fast. What's the very first one? The very first one of the year was Elmo. I just, Elmo's that, healthy. That's a healthy can, search. Can I just go? That's positive as we end this that like mm-hmm. at least like the yeah, kids search was it is like elmo was it was it something about elmo that people didn't like I I look at no so. it, 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 that's not news man that's like people are trying to entertain their kids they're like yeah. google elmo here kid 
shut up, well, wake up so I can eat better. my dinner. If the clickbait was kids playing with toys, like, cause that's a very popular YouTube <laughs> site and so forth. Like it so is. So new toy, bag of glass, bag of glass, good toy, good toy. <laughs> yeah, kids are gonna love it. It's Johnny Switchblade. Johnny Switch, yeah, you just, you just, just stick it, stick it. Elmo is the viral icon that 2022 desperately needs. See, in the just first week of 2022, Positive. Elmo has gone hugely viral. He's become a mascot for all of us, a reminder that we should always strive to do better, that we can be kinder, though the path to that kindness is rocky and forked. Bringing Elmo into your life doesn't require denying who you are or pretending that you don't have flaws. It requires being honest about what you want and the mistakes that you can make in trying to get it. Nope. And the fact that he Next. says balsamic vinegar is more razzle-dazzle than anyone on the planet Earth. All right. Yeah. People are legit. literally searching it to show their kids so they can that eat their dinner. That was a legit Balance. viral thing. Elmo. I love it. Okay. Well, let's change gears here. I thought this was interesting because I'm a nerd. This goes back to... Um, Danny's personal railing against IP infringement and the bullshit of holding on to uh, things that should be in the public domain. Otherwise, on January twenty or January first, twenty twenty three, copyrighted works from nineteen twenty seven will enter the U.S. public domain. They will be free for all to copy, share, and build on. These include Virginia Woolf's To the Lighthouse, Final Sherlock Holmes stories by Arthur Conan Doyle, the German science fiction from Metropolis, Alfred Hitchcock's first thriller, compositions by Louis Armstrong and Fats Waller, and a novelty song about ice cream. And so everything from 1927, because international copyright patent law lasts 95 years. So if you copyright something, you have rights to its intellectual property for almost a century, which is the reason that Disney has such a stranglehold over its IP. But here's the thing. If you let it go to fan fiction, I've seen some kick-ass fan-made Star Wars movies compared to the bullshit they've been putting out. Am I alone? Am I alone here? This is the year that everything from 1927 enters the public domain. All of this stuff, all of these books, you're free to use. Make stuff, make movies, make make whatever. You don't have to pay any IP for it. Oh, that's uh, a nice same deal. Same thing with movies. Jazz Singer, the first feature-length film with dialogue. That's now in the public domain. Was that a play? This was the first movie with sound. Okay. So the jazz singer is now public domain. Do whatever you want. Okay. Uh, King of Kings, London After Midnight, Seventh Heaven, which was uh, what inspired La La Land. Battle of the Century. Okay. You know, Laurel and Hardy were the predecessor to our favorites. Mm-hmm. So all these movies are now in the public domain. All of these songs are in the public domain. Ice cream, you scream, we all scream for ice cream. That is now free. Rock and roll, people. What is Putting the age on the again? Ritz. What were you saying? How old does it have to be? It's got to it- be 95 years in order to get past current copyright protection. So next year, anything made in 1928, they can no longer sue you. Fascinating. Which is the bullshit about intellectual property and copyright is Disney holds such a stranglehold on shit that's fucking 90 years old because they can, because they paid. And what Mm. I was saying when you came back and and, uh, we lost Mr. Jones was I've seen some of the most bitchin' kick-ass Star Wars fan-made films on YouTube. And what we got was this, the last stable of movies was bullshit. Uh, okay. Although I hear Andor's really good. Yeah. I anyway, can't, you know, my uh, yeah. Mississippi mud. there's a bunch of them on this link. Uh, I, I think that's fascinating. I think I didn't realize it was that many years for, why did I, I don't know why I thought it was like 30 or 40 years. So it used yeah, to learn something. 30, then it was 50, then it was 75 and then it was 95. And that was all due to lobbying by famous players like Disney, specifically Disney, not necessarily Lucasfilm per se, although he was one of them. And so the mm-hmm. irony that Disney owns them is just. That is ironic. Yeah. 
<laughs> but they all they all went after the intellectual property concerns. Here's my thing about patents in general is, yes, you get a period of protection so that somebody can't copy it. What that also gives you is a period of relief where you don't have to innovate. And so that's okay. where my, my bias comes in. I get annoyed by that. It's like, come on. Yeah, I guess I buy that. I buy that. I think 30 years is a fair number on intellectual property. But like, look at Mariah Carey's song right now. Uh, it fucking hits number one every year, right? Uh, the Christmas song she sings. She's going to hold on to it forever. Yeah. I mean, I think, I think, do that you it's think fair it's to say fair that she should, that other people should be able to make money off the song that she wrote? Um, I don't no, know. What I would say is it can last as long as the creator is alive. Boom. Yeah. I say, so let's start killing creators. Let's Lucas do it. Lucas is alive as long as, as long as the Godfather is alive, Star Wars is protected. I don't mm -hmm. want you to make episode 10 because you've ruined my legacy and my dream. That's fine. He can, as soon as George Lucas is done, boom, all Star Wars is free and clear. <laughs> and Lee's gone, boom, Marvel, free and clear. Bob Kane yep. died years ago. Batman should be free and clear. Denny O'Neill just died. All, all of these famous people that created all this wonderful stuff, they're dead. Boom, gone. Protection gone. Mm-hmm. Disney, Disney's been in the ground for what, 50 years now? No, no more protection. Done. Can't touch, can't touch the mouse. Can't the mouse touch is Yeah, well, the mouse house is the one you got to be the most careful with. Um, but the guy who invented Super Mario, he's gone. Mario. I, want, I, want, I want my download Super Mario ROMs on my little tiny SD card uh, entertainment system. You know, you seen the one that Pun's got? No. All right, I'm going to move on to something weird here because we're starting off season three weird. Something weird. How old are you guys? We're not fucking kids anymore. On a scale of one to 10, how would you rate your pain? Everything hurts. I'm a grown ass man, dog. I pay taxes here, fucker. We're not like you. We're grown ups, motherfucker. When 900 years old, you reach look as good you are not. Hmm? This one, this was because a couple of weeks ago, Gallagher died. And you know that I Everybody have a squashed a watermelon. Uh, yeah, he's, well, that's all he is going to be to you. No, he isn't. Stop it. I thought he was very witty. He was the foundation. Well, one of the foundations. I, I got to say, so th this could be a fun exercise. Look in the mirror, Leon, next time you're in the mirror and think to yourself, what is the foundation of my sense of humor? And I got to say, it's got to be a combination between Eddie Murphy and Gallagher Yeah, for, for Danny. Yeah. I want to say that for Leon, that Monty Python's got to be sprinkled in there somewhere. Oh, yeah. Uh, but English for me, humor. it was, it was Eddie important. Murphy and Gallagher because there was irreverence and smart ass snarky edgy with eddie because that's who eddie was gallagher was subversive he picked things apart he looked at things from many different angles he asked questions where you're like yeah that is dumb and that was kind of the foundation so this is very gallagher-esque english speakers follow an unconscious rule for the order of adjectives and if you've ever met anybody where english is a second language you notice that they kind of they throw things in the wrong order which is the same thing that little kids do because they don't quite understand how things are spoken in what order and so if you hear somebody that speaks english and you think wow that person speaks really well it's probably because they've understood this order subconsciously but if you think about the way that the latin languages work where the adjective is at the end mm -hmm. like i drink this drink old not I drink this old drink. There's mm -hmm. a there's a, a juxtaposition of where things go. And the reason is because it's called order force. So we're going to talk about order force, Leon. Hopefully Mr. Jones I'm, can join I'm us. I'm actually excited. He said he got this. the blue screen of death. So we're just going to, we're going to roll without him until he shows up. But hopefully he can get down on this. You'll, I think you'll like this. Uh, rules are meant to be broken, except when they're not. 
To wit, there's a rule for the order of adjectives in English that almost everybody follows without realizing it. It's called order force. It goes as follows. Opinion, size, age, shape, color, origin, material, purpose. If that sounds hard to wrap your head around, think of a pet. You would refer to your beloved tabby who's been getting in on in the years as my old orange cat rather than my orange old cat. Sounds the same. It isn't. Which sounds strange, somehow wrong, even if you're not sure why. Order force is why. It's the same reason that it's my big fat Greek wedding wasn't my Greek fat big wedding. It sounds weird, doesn't it? It does. The latter conveys the same information, but seeing in that order just doesn't feel right. According to Mark Forsythe's book, The Elements of Eloquence, How to Turn the Perfect English Phrase, the stakes are higher than you think. If you mess with that order in the slightest, you'll sound like a maniac. Forsythe might be exaggerating for an effect, but it's still true that mixing up the order of adjectives in his example, a lovely little old rectangular green French silver whittling knife into, say, a rectangular old French little green lovely silver whittling knife makes the description almost incoherent. Fortunate, then, that we all abide by order force, whether we mean to or not. So what's interesting is I get the point he's making, but that was a terrible reference on how to make it. I think that there's a, a lot better word, ways. So think about... The big audacious hairy goal. Yeah. That's not correct. It's the big hairy audacious goal. Yeah. And that's a Gallagher thing to do. And that's where Gallagher absolutely excelled because he spotted this in a heartbeat and would absolutely exploit it because it doesn't make sense. We do things all the time. We use, well, the we, use is fucked. we use phrases all the time. And that is one of the best things about being a parent that when you say things, they just roll off your tongue that you've said hundreds of times in your life. And then your kid looks and you go, what does that mean? And you're like, you know what? It doesn't make any fucking sense at all. That makes no sense. And, uh, and they're absolutely right. <laughs> the other reason that kids are so funny is because they fucked this up without knowing and we laugh. Yeah. There, there are some pretty witty things that we think our children say. And if you actually had the court reporter read it back, you go, oh, that's not witty. It's just out of order. Yeah. <laughs> so once again, for the cheap seats, it's called order force. It's a rule for adjectives in English. And I just did Mad Libs with my boys tonight. So an adjective is a descriptive term for something. It's not a noun. It's not a person, a place, an animal, or a thing. It's not a verb. It's not an action. It's an adjective. And an adjective is descriptive. But there's an order for how descriptive you get. This is the single most awesome recorded on demand downloadable podcast that nobody's heard of yet <laughs> in that order in conclusion and get it get it and y'all oh, we gotta bring get it and get it back get it and get it order force look it up opinion size age shape color origin material purpose it makes me feel like we need to create a new superhero that's better than captain planet Oh, you, how can you go above Captain Planet? And what happened because to Captain Planet? I've been looking at all the fucking dumb reboots. We haven't brought Captain Planet back of all times. Heart. That's what happened. Get That's what happened Greta to Captain there. Planet. You are ashamed. You know, get, get fucking Greta to be perfect for Captain Planet. How dare you? I think that if you got a bunch of comedians together to make Captain Planet, it might be the funniest reboot movie oh i'd ever seen put the uh put the broken lizard boys on it the guys that did super troopers get them on captain planet they'll have a right, ball with it let's cast it right now first of all who would be water momoa well he's already yeah that's what i'm Aquaman. saying you gotta get a long kind of thin lanky dude for yeah. water michael phelps okay. 
Michael Phelps. Okay. Michael Phelps. I like that. I like that. How about fire? Um, oh, someone somebody. angry. Yeah, somebody angry for sure. What kind of rage machine we got? Bill Black. Uh, Leon. Burr. Black. Ooh, no, I like Bill Burr. Bill Burr. Bill Burr. Burr. Good pick. Always angry. Wind. Well done. Deep cut. Somebody wind. talks fast. Remember, wind was the Russian chick. Okay. Who talks uh, fast? Mila? Ah. Mila Kunis? Mila Kunis or Mila Jovovich? Zombie girl. Mm-hmm. What do you think? Mila Kunis is good, though. That's a good call. Good pull. Okay. I like that one. Earth. Maybe be someone super fat, though, because that's awesome. Yeah. But they, I but think we vegan. need to replace the Earth they had. Jordan Peele. Okay. Oh, I want something hippie. Really? Hippie. Okay. Yeah. Like Dharma and Greg. What was that? Well, heart, what was the, heart would be Dharma? hippie. We haven't gotten a heart yet because the... Well, Heart, you got to have a good time with. What was the Heart Chinese girl? Be was Chinese girl water? Uh, maybe water. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So we already cast water. So Earth, Earth, a hippie dude for Earth. Yeah. Earth's got to be hippie. I'm with Mr. Uh, Jones there. Franco. Oh, oh, good pull. Nice. Yeah. James Franco. I like for that. Earth. James James Heart. Now, this, you, you can't mess this up. You got to be the comedian. Heart is the dumbest stupidest character in all of superhero lore. Can can, can I just throw it oh, out there? It's already named. A superpower. Isn't it Kevin? I was going to say McLovin. Um, I was seeing Kevin Hart. Kevin. Nah, okay. Yeah, I guess he would be pretty good. Yeah. I would go with Kevin Hart. I was thinking Kevin like James, but yeah, Kevin Hart, maybe. Yeah. Because his character in Jumanji was perfect. Perfect. Yeah. He's like, he's a, he is so weak and he's worthless. And I think that he, that would carry over to heart. Yeah, but really he's worthless well. until. Yeah. Like you put all and these then, badass powers together, but you still can't summon Captain Planet until a little weak cake comes in and goes, heart. Now, Captain Planet would be, and I would love to say Ryan Reynolds, but he's already too many characters. Uh, Ryan so. Reynolds, John Cena. No, I don't want John Cena. Got to be somebody fit. And The Rock's taken. Yeah, got to be fit. Yeah, it can't be The Rock. Although he'd be pretty good at it. It would yeah, be pretty I funny. Know. I don't know. Reynolds would be perfect, but you could do If Jackman wanted to get jacked. How about Hugh, Jack- Matt Damon? Hugh Jackman? What about Matt Damon? Matt Damon. Oh my God. That <laughs> would Damon. Actually be pretty good. Matt Damon would be great. <laughs> yeah. Cause then he would outdo his counterpart in superheroes. Matt Damon. I love it. Matt Mr. Jones, you're Damon. on fire tonight. Fan cast. Boom. Captain We've Planet. Coming back Make at the you. movie. Captain Planet. Go. Get it. Casting Get it. Done all the work. If, if right. the Bobs out there feel like we miscast this for any reason, please, please send us your recommendation. Bullshit. All right. I'm going to blow you guys' it. mind. Ready? Ready? I'm going to, I'm yep. going to, I'm going to straight up throw this out there before we head off to, uh, to Leon Lowe's close this bitch up. This one made me laugh. I don't know if there's any factual basis to it, but it made me laugh. And I want to talk about it because I also have a story about a meatloaf that applies to this. And there's some business aspect to this, but I'm going to give you guys the rundown. The United States standard railroad gauge, the distance between the rails, the tie. So the, the, Mm -hmm. the metal, the metal rails go over the railroad tie, which is a fat, what, six by six piece of treated wood. The distance between the railroad ties is four feet eight and a half inches. Mm-hmm. Okay. We've been so far. It's 56 and a half inches. That's an yep. exceedingly odd number. Why? Because that's the way they built them in England and English engineers designed the first U.S. railroads. Okay. okay. Why did okay. the English build them like that? Because the first rail lines were built by the same people who built wagons. Okay. Great. That's the gauge they used. Well, why did they use them? 
Well, the people that built the tramways used the same jigs and tools that they had used for building wagons, which used the same wheel spacing. Okay, great. Why did the wagons have that particular wheel spacing? Well, they tried to use any other spacing. Wagon wheels would break off more often because of the ruts in the road. Okay, great. Where did the ruts in the road come from? Imperial Rome, who built the first long-distance roads in Europe, including England, for their legions. Those roads have been used ever since. Okay, What's so special about the ruts in the roads? Well, Roman war chariots formed the initial ruts, which everyone else had to match or run the risk of destroying their wagon wheels. Since the chariots were made for Imperial Rome, they were all alike in the matter of wheel spacing. Therefore, the United States standard railroad gauge of four feet, eight and a half inches is derived from the original specifications for an Imperial Roman war chariot. Bureaucracies live forever. So the next time you're handed a specification procedure process manual and wonder what horse's ass came up with this, you may be exactly right. <laughs> Imperial <laughs> Roman army chariots were made just wide enough to accommodate the rear ends of two war horses. Two horses' asses. That was amazing. I like that. Now, the twist to the story. Well, learned something. When you see a space shuttle sitting on its launch pad, there are two big booster rockets attached to the sides of the main fuel tank. These are solid rocket boosters, or SRBs. The SRBs are made by Theocal at their factory in Utah. The engineers who designed the SRBs would have preferred to make them bigger, but the SRBs had to be shipped by train from the factory to the launch site in Florida. The railroad line from the factory happens to run through a tunnel in the mountains, and the SRBs had to fit through that tunnel. The tunnel is slightly wider than the railroad track, wow. and the railroad track, as you know, is about as wide as two horses' asses. So a major <laughs> space shuttle design feature of what is arguably the world's most advanced transportation system was determined over 2,000 years ago by the width of a horse's ass. <laughs> if you thought that. a horse's ass wasn't important, ancient horses' asses control the world, my friend. Or feet eight inches. That's a great, great nugget. Thank you for that, Danny. That shit may or may not have any factual basis, but I know something like it is true. (laughs) The way that we've always done it is the way we're going to continue to do it until somebody goes, wait a minute, this is dumb. Why are we doing it this way? Because I think as the factual part, being that it's narrow, tracks actually are bigger when it's high speed because you need it to be wider to cover the turns so you and if it's not like more than like an inch or two like the tracks just get a little bit bigger but there's your point only when put to stress do you end up having to rethink maybe we should do this a little bit different right so the story is the granddaughter is hosting thanksgiving dinner and among all the many dressings that are on the table is a meatloaf And when she brings it out, both ends are cut off. And some new boyfriend looks over and goes, huh, why'd you cut the ends off the meatloaf? And the granddaughter went, shut the fuck up. Well, after she said, shut the fuck up, she said, it's the way my mother always did it. And so then the mother comes walking into the room and the enterprising boyfriend, who obviously doesn't know how to shut the fuck up, said, why'd you cut the ends off the meatloaf? And the mother went, it's tradition. We've always done it. What's your problem? And he goes... I'm sorry. I'm new here. I'm just curious. I just want to know. And she's like, I don't know, sweetheart. It's because something my mother always did. It's from the old country. And he goes, well, Nana's here. Is she, is she in the kitchen? Yeah, she's in the kitchen. So Nana comes out and the granddaughter and the mother are sitting there very proud that they're maintaining tradition. And the the new boyfriend goes, hi, Nana, you're going to yell at me, but why did you cut the ends off the meatloaf? And she goes, well, when we were married, we were poor and I didn't have a pot that was big enough. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Sounds about right. 
So the moral of the story is it's a business case. When you're analyzing a process or a procedure or a specification, you have to think to yourself, how did it start? Because maybe there's a reason for the way they did it, and it may not be the best, most efficient, most cost-effective, blah, 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 blah. What you're describing is continuous improvement. Continuous improvement is essential. So, uh... So Leon, how are you, uh, how are you feeling today? Well, I'm coming off of a loathe, but I still am a little bit fiery mad about it. Did you catch the and football game, Leon? That's what I'm loathing about. Then let's talk about it. Excuse me, what the? What the? What the? Hey yo, what the? What? What the? What the? Whiskey. Tango. The floor is yours. I think there's a lot of things that we've learned as a nation, as sports fans, as humans about the recent injury that took place. If you haven't heard it about it already, there was an injury that took place on Monday Night Football. This last Monday, what was the date? I don't even know. Uh, Hammer? Jamar? Jammer? Hammer? What is his name? Uh, Damar Hamlin. Damar. is his name. And nice he's a safety. Good kid. Young kid. I think he's like 24 or so. Uh, really good uh, athlete, obviously. Uh, I think he's in his second year of the NFL. Uh, I wouldn't say that he's exceptional in any way, shape, or form. I wouldn't say he's an exceptional safety. I think he's he's good. He's good. He does the job well. He does the job that's required. Um, I don't know that he was on the road to the Hall of Fame or anything like that, but he does the job they ask him to do. And he's obviously uh, made an impression on a lot of people that he's worked with, which is great um throughout his career anyway he went out there uh played monday night football in the first quarter with about five five and a half minutes left to go made a tackle it was a good tackle it was an aggressive tackle there was contact some pretty heavy contact in the tackle nothing that anyone would say ooh or ah or anything like that it was just a normal tackle stood up and fell straight back and Next thing you know, us as the viewers are like, okay, another injury. We're pretty used to this, right? No, it seems a little bit, this one seems a little bit different. The players are surrounding him and ambulances are coming out. Okay. I hope he's not. The first thing you think about when you're a fan is, is he, is he paralyzed? Right. Because that's probably the worst case scenario. He's a lot of times when yeah. we're watching football. Right. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't that. This was something very different. He was literally dead on the field and everyone, it hit everyone really hard. And when you're dead on the field, you're dead anywhere. It doesn't matter what's going on at that point. The paramedics start cutting your shirt open, throwing on defibrillators and trying to get your heart going again. That's what they did. And so people from both sides of the team uh, had to witness trying to bring a guy back to life that, you know, half the people out there had a strong relationship with and the other half either knew him one way or another. I mean, it's a small fraternity. The NFL is, is, is a big league, but it's a still a small fraternity. These guys have played each other through college and through high school and through, you know, uh, camps and met each other there. It's not as big as everyone thinks it is. They all kind of know each other. And uh, here they are watching this guy that they've grown up with or known pretty well, trying to get him back to life. And he's, and he's at the beginning of his career. So I think it hit everybody in a very special place. And it kind of reminded everybody right after the holidays that, Hey, uh, maybe there's more important things going on right now. And what I really was happy to see, and I know that's a weird word for me to use during the segment, was two professional coaches cross the field, had a conversation with the referees, 
And with literally no resentment, no pushback, no anything, it was very cordial of, uh, let's just go back to the locker room, a very unprecedented thing that would ever happen. And everyone just went back to the locker room, right? And you got a entire stadium in Cincinnati full of people who paid a fortune to be there because it was a Monday night football game. We were just sitting there in shock of the hell did I just see? And I think for one of the first times on public display, a mass amount of humanity showed up. And I think we've been missing it for a long time. I think, uh, you know, you have the out, the outliers that seem to worry more about the playoff uh, implications of this game and, um, you know, whatever bets or fantasy football or other things that, that might have applied to this game. But the real important thing that everyone that I've ever talked to or been around, I was watching it live. I listened to the sportscast. You listen to any sportscast or watch any ESPN thing during that whole period. And it was very clear. Everybody seemed to be on the same page, which is, listen, let's, let's worry about this kid. This kid has no business dying on the field, right? And it never, it didn't take longer than 24 hours for all the trolls to boil up because everybody needs attention. And I don't care what attention you're looking for, right? If you feel like he passed out because he, he took the COVID shot or he passed out because football is too brutal of a sport or he passed out because of the hit was too hard on the player that he hit and he was a dirty player or any of these ridiculous reasons that people just keep boiling up. And maybe some of them are right, or maybe there are some of them are wrong, but the timing is way off. You know, let's all just take a breath and realize that there's a man, a good man with his family who are in horrible shape after what happened on this field. And I think the 98% got it. And I, I really hope that we are able as a nation, as a world that actually give a shit about football to block out the other 2% that are just trying to make a name for themselves or try to make noise or try to capitalize off a horrible situation and try to make a name for themselves on this thing that happened. Right. I've even thought as things were going on, right. People are out with candle vigils and people worried about them and all that. And I, I can't help but think of all the people that died in 2022 of a lot of dumb shit. And why do we care so much about this football player? And that's fair. It's a fair question to ask, right? We should ask the question. Why are, why is the president of the United States calling the family of this football player? It seems unreasonable, right? The truth is he's doing it for press. And if you think any otherwise, well, go fuck yourself. He's <laughs> doing it for political points. He doesn't really care about that family because otherwise, why would he have publicized it? There are people that are trying to capitalize. And this is where my loathe really comes in. They're trying to capitalize off this guy's injury, right? And instead of just doing the right thing, you know what the right thing is? Go look at his GoFundMe page. His GoFundMe for getting kids that are underprivileged toys during Christmas his goal was $2,500. Last time I looked, it was at $9 million. That's the right thing to do. The right thing to do, if you've ever 
asked yourself, what is the right thing to do? It's always do the right thing when no one's looking. If you don't understand that, you're not doing the right thing. If you're doing the, if you're doing something so you can get attention or promotion or look better, you're doing it wrong. And I think that this event has exposed a lot of that. You know, I think it's okay to care about somebody that's really, really hurt and a family that's really, really hurt and, and show your love and respect for it. But I don't think it's okay for you to try to capitalize off it or try to generate conflict or conversation for your benefit because of what's going on. I guess my point in this entire loathe is pay attention. You know, take that four four or five steps back, look at what's actually happening, ignore the, the gobbledygook and the garbage of where people are actually trying to capitalize, promote themselves off a situation that's awful. Um, good news, right? Good news report for now, today, whatever today is. Today is January 5th that we're recording this. I understand that he opened his eyes. He's talking, which is yep. great. He's up and about. Uh, and he's not walking, but he's, he's lucid. He's, he's lucid. He's, and the first thing he wrote down, because he's still got a tube down his throat that says, did we win the game? That's mm. a great story, right? I think everybody wants this kid to do well. And I think we need more things to unite us. And this is one of those things, you know, it's silly. It's kind of, kind of silly in the, in the fact that we're coming out of a pandemic where many, many, many people are dying grandmas and, you know, pick your celebrity that died this year. Right. A lot of them. Mm. Um, and I think that the fact that we can rally, that's what sports are about. Right. We kind of we pick our teams and we rally around it, but we also kind of know it's kind of bullshit. Right. We it's not that big of a deal. <laughs> like it's a sport. It's not life or death. This time it is. Right. And I think we can all just take a te- step back. And I think the NFL a lot of times has let us down. Right. They, they stand on a platform and they say, we don't like when people hit women, you know, and they, they throw out some commercials like no hitting women. We don't like hitting women. Women hitting is bad. And then when another player two or three years later is seen in, in an elevator smacking around a girl, they're like, well, you know, let's give them four game suspension, you know, and, and a lot of times the NFL gets a black eye constantly by this kind of hypocrisy. They did the right thing today, right? Today was the day they said, this is a no contest. This game didn't exist. This game is whatever their records were going in and coming out. That's how the percentages are going to work. And that's how they're going to end up being in the playoffs because it was, there was a, there was a big implications playoff implications from this game. And I was really wondering how they were going to make that happen. And I was in the back of my mind thinking if the NFL makes this game happen again or forces this game to happen, it will only promote the greed of the NFL. It will only say that the NFL only gives a shit about the money and not about the players. And for the first time in a very long time, they actually did deeds, not words, and made something happen that was unprecedented and literally said no contest. The game didn't happen. We we are just wiping the floor of it. These two coaches went out there with their 
their players crying on both sides of the field and said, this isn't happening. This is, this is a game. We're stopping this. It's done. Nobody can go out there and hit each other under these circumstances. And I applaud that. And I hope I see a lot more of that in 2023. That's my love. Hot damn, Leon. I like it. Agree. That's our show. Welcome to season three. Email us at bottle of brown at gmail.com. Give us a call. 602-529-4562. That again is 602-529-4562. Leave a message for Danny, Leon, or Mr. Jones. Give us ideas for content or refute anything we say on the show. If you like the show, please like, follow, subscribe, share with a friend. We're on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Share a drink with us next episode. Same brown time, same brown channel. BottleofBrown.com. This place is dead anyway, man.